2NURFM 103.7. It's Health and Wellbeing. We're into it for 2016. And Peter Mullen is with us. And we're taking a look at an industry now. Really, it is an industry, multi-million dollar industry, people with weight loss, wanting to lose weight. Let's take a look at it now. Some of the reasons why we have trouble with our weight loss. Well, Dave, probably it's um, something that I hear commonly a lot when patients come in to see us is that, you know, they've tried this diet and tried that diet, but, um, you know, nothing seems to help. Um, and we've probably heard that weight loss mantra a thousand times. It's all about calories in versus calories out. And it's just not that simple. You know, there's weight loss seems to be more complicated these mm-hmm. days than probably what it used to be because I think, in my experience, people's health these days is more complicated than it used to be. Um, the reasons why someone may be overweight can vary from person to person. You know, and we've talked about this a bit in earlier topics looking at genes as well, how genes can play a role in, you know, for someone that is overweight, what diet they should be doing, yeah. even to the point of how much exercise someone should be doing. But um, the four things I'm going to talk about today is um, um, poor diet, particularly around carbohydrates, which we'll get into in a moment, hormonal imbalance, uh, chronic inflammation, and nutritional deficiencies. Now, do carbohydrates really play uh, such a big role in weight gain and weight loss? Well, when you think about when you think about our diet, like or the, there's lots of diets on the, in the marketplace. There's the paleo diet, the CSIRO diet, total well-being diet. There's the anti-candida diet. All of these diets work, and the reason they work, I believe, is they're all low-carbohydrate right, right. diets or lower-carbohydrate diets. And this whole concept of carbohydrates started in the, I think it was the late 70s, early 80s. You know, when they were sort of coming up with this concept that cardiovascular disease or heart disease was caused by cholesterol passively clogging up arteries so that was the big push that everybody needed to stop eating meat get off animal protein cut out butter cut out eggs cut out cheese and that was the start of the low fat movement but what um they replaced all of these or what they recommended is replacing all these foods with was complex carbohydrates Mm. so this was complex carbohydrates pardon me was supposed to reduce cardiovascular disease reduce obesity But what we find, in fact, is that obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease has actually skyrocketed since since these changes. So the excess carbs, basically, we've talked about this a bit before, excess carbohydrates break down to glucose or sugar in the bloodstream. And they're even thinking now that this sugar in the bloodstream, too much sugar in the bloodstream, may actually be one of the aggravators or causes of cardiovascular disease. We're swinging away from the thought that, you know, cholesterol is the big culprit. Oh, okay. Yeah, so carbohydrates aren't just a problem with, with weight gain. They're a problem also with cardiovascular disease. So excess carbs um, lead to excess blood sugar. And what we can't burn for fuel, you know, our pancreas produces insulin. What we can't yes. burn for fuel gets stored straight as fat. And it gets stored in the liver. You know, it's people that have carbohydrate issues often carry their weight around their tummy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's more of a carbohydrate sort of area. Um, and we talked about this before. You know, we do, you know, it's good to have some carbs in our diet. And the ideal carbs for us are our um, veggie salad and two to three pieces of fruit a day. What foods are high in carbohydrates that we should be steering clear from? Well, the worst foods are um, your biscuits, cakes, lollies, you know, processed foods. Hang on, that's all alcohol, the good stuff. Alcohol. Things that taste good. What's going on? <laughs> But actually, at the, at the talk, we've got a, a talk coming up on weight loss, and I've got a video comes up in the talk, and it shows what happens when people, what happens in your brain to your neurotransmitters when you eat sugar. Mm-hmm. 
And when you have sugar, when you eat a certain amount of sugar or carbohydrates that turn into sugar, it actually triggers a release of dopamine in the reward or the pleasure center in your brain. So you know when you have a bit of chocolate and you think, oh, that's awesome. That's hit the spot. Love it. Yeah. Oh. That's because it's, it's triggering similar brain chemicals as what it does if someone has a cigarette or takes other um, drugs. Um, so it does. So our brain's saying, that's really good. We like that. Give me more. We shouldn't. No, and we don't have a, we don't have a satiation limit with it. So you know, if you're ever eating chocolate, you can eat until you're almost sick, yeah. Because your brain's just saying hit after hit of dopamine's being released, and your brain's saying this is awesome. I feel good. If you give me more, I'm going to feel more. So that's why, you know, I see I see probably daily people with what I consider a carbohydrate addiction. So when they're literally literally, you know, if they're feeling tired, if they're feeling stressed, you know, people talk about um, comfort eating. Yeah. Comfort eating is trying to trigger dopamine to make your brain feel better. Okay. Isn't but that, that, that might be masking other issues that are in your life that you really uh, should be addressing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So carbohydrate, it's the excess of carbohydrates is what the big problem has been for us. And since the advent of, you know, um, the grain industry and, you know, everyone lives on bread and stuff like that, like we've just gone overboard. So with carbohydrates, should you be looking to completely do away from them or can you still have some? Well, this is this is my mantra, all right? If you're trying to lose weight, lose lose body fat, the ideal carbs for you are vegetables, salad, and two to three pieces of fruit a day max. So you can have as much of that as you want except for the fruit. You can have as much broccoli and lettuce. Like lettuce is a carbohydrate. It doesn't taste like chocolate. No. <laughs> well, you know, though, to, to get out of that brain cycle, you only have to go off those sweets or carbs for three to five days and you lose the, you lose the addiction. Okay. You lose the craving okay. right. for most people. Now, and then I say once a day, one serve only of one of these, you can either have bread, cereals, grains, rice, pasta, white potato, or a banana. So if you're trying to shift body fat and you think carbohydrates are a problem for you, you shouldn't. Ha- if you have a banana a day, that should be it. Okay, just the one. Yep, you don't want to have, you can't then have a sandwich for lunch and then some rice with your dinner yeah because you won't as soon as you have carbs it takes you out of that fat burning if you've got a carbohydrate Mm. issue and then once a week or never emphasis on the never biscuits cakes lollies sugar processed never they're gone never never to have them until you get down to your ideal weight and then maybe once a week as a treat and our topic today four causes of weight gain we've just had uh, quite a expansive chat there about carbohydrates we're going to continue on now what are some of the other causes well, probably the, the next category or next area that, that um, I would see, and again, these four areas we'll be talking about when we do we have our um, free talk on, on the, what date did I say? The 16th. I think you said the 16th, yeah. 16th of Feb. We've yeah. got a, a talk on tonight and next week that have been booked out. So our next talk's on the 16th of Feb. For anyone that's interested about... Um, you know about weight loss, about how to how how you can go if you've got trouble losing weight, how you can find out what your causes are and then do something about it. So hormonal imbalance is the next next area. Right. In several ways, your hormones could be causing you to gain or hold on to excess weight. Um, and again, finding out what your individual causes are. So some of the possible reasons can include insulin resistance, and this is quite an easy thing to get tested for. If you're suspicious that you're having trouble losing weight from excess carbohydrates, but everything you do, nothing seems to work. Ask your GP to to test your glucose levels, but get them to also test your insulin levels. And uh, what happens with insulin resistance is that because of excess carbohydrate consumption, 
pancreas produces too much insulin over a period of time, and after a time, the receptors on the cells stop working. Mm-hmm. So it takes more and more insulin to keep your blood sugar levels down. So insulin resistance precedes diabetes in that you you long before we see your glucose levels start to stay higher, we'll see your insulin's getting higher and higher. So it's actually a really good test to, for anyone that thinks they're concerned about diabetes yeah. as well. The problem with excess insulin is it promotes fat gain. Okay. So it took, takes the glucose and it pushes it into your liver and into your fat cells and rather than burn it for fuel. So insulin resistance is a big, a big area that we see. And as I said, it's relatively easy to test and it's really relatively easy to treat as well. Now, with hormonal imbalance, does it mainly impact women or can it also impact oh, men? men as well. In what yeah. ways can it impact Well, again, men? men, a lot of men that have that beer belly, yeah. pot belly, that's often associated with insulin resistance. Okay. And it's actually where – and the, the, the thing I love most about this whole talking about weight loss is we focus on weight loss not just from the, the aesthetics, you know, looking better, obviously feeling better, but it's things like the cardiovascular risk. You know, men that carry that pot – pot sort of belly they're actually packing a dense type of fat called visceral adipose tissue in around their organs Mm -hmm. so they're actually increasing their risk of having a heart attack stroke um we see with insulin resistance has had links to things like prostate cancer breast cancer so the exciting thing about people going through these changes eating better remodeling or recompositioning their body is they're reducing their risk of you know, seri- like all the all the degenerative diseases that we talk about that are out of control, like heart disease yes. is still number one, cancer is number two, diabetes, diabetes is racing out of control. Even mm. though we've you know tried to eat less meat um, for heart disease, but it's all these carbs. So all of those degenerative Alzheimer's, life shortening conditions, all of those conditions can be possibly definitely improved, if not prevented, by by getting our body composition down to the ideal level so okay. that's what i love about weight management is that it's it's this long-term implications next hormone that we see a lot of a lot of ladies and men too have what we call a subclinical underactive thyroid condition and again it's where normal blood tests might say no your thyroid's fine but you know there's ranges we look at to say whether your thyroid is okay or not can you start to have issues with thyroid at any age in life or is there yeah. a certain age that kicks we're, in? we're seeing it younger and younger more yeah. in younger women it's more Overactive thyroid, in um in in slightly older women it's it's underactive thyroid, but autoimmune thyroid conditions, I'm seeing you know a lot more people with that these days. So, you know if someone's got excess carbohydrates and genetically they're a bit predisposed towards things like insulin resistance, and they've got a thyroid problem, they're the people that come in and say I hardly eat anything. And no one believes it. It seems to be, as you say, in this day and age, we're hearing more and more thyroid issues, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Is that attributed to the foods that we're eating, do you think? Um, it's, it can be dietary related to thyroid. And actually, um, we'll be doing a talk in a few weeks' time on thyroid. Right. One of the, the interesting things that can interfere with your thyroid function if you just drink normal tap water. The chlorine and the, really? yeah. chlorine and the fluoride, they're called bromides, mm-hmm. in the water compete with iodine on um, receptor sites for thyroid function. So the the chlorine and the fluoride can knock your iodine off and then it makes it hard to produce thyroid hormone. So here we are thinking so now, our tap water is okay, but it, yeah. it could be some problems there too. Yeah, absolutely. If, so, if someone's, again, sensitive to those sorts of things. Um, long-term stress, elevated levels of cortisol, 
And, um, you know, I don't think there's too many people these days that could say that they don't get a bit stressed, but it's that, yeah. you know, chronic, un, unrelenting, unremitting stress, uh, estrogen dominance, you know, and again, interestingly, once you get past, say, 35% body fat in women and maybe 25% in men, your fat cells actually become an endocrine organ. Your fat cells will actually produce estrogen. Mm-hmm and other inflammatory um, hormones as well, or inflammatory chemicals. So excess body fat becomes quite toxic then. And if you've got a problem already with estrogen, now your fat cells are producing more estrogen. So that's where we see, you know, guys with man boobs, mm. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're producing ex- ex- excess estrogen from their fat cells. Um, serotonin imbalance, so depression and anxiety really plug into that whole comfort eating thing. Yes. And the last one is... Not new, but it's, it's a really interesting one. It's leptin resistance. And leptin's a hormone produced by fat cells, and it's a hormone that tells your brain when you're full. So the same way that you can become insulin resistant, you can become leptin resistant. So you forget or you don't know when you're full. So, again, you imagine if you've got a little bit of each of those things, it's like trying to sail a, sail a ship at sea and it's just stormy weather. Let's continue with the four causes of weight gain. Yes, we have had some bad news. Let's try and turn it around and have some good news on this topic, well, Peter. Well, I didn't plan for any good news on this topic today. It was all about the causes. So as I was saying to you in the break, if anyone's interested to know um, what can be done about this, they're more than welcome to come along to our free talk on the 16th. Right. So that we'll have the solutions there. Yes. On the night, actually, we'll be talking about um, a specific program that we offer, but even if someone, even if someone's interested in just understanding a bit more about um, health and diet, like the information on the night will be fantastic, covering a wide range of things. So, you know, even if someone's not interested in weight loss per se, it's still a good night to come along to. And your website always has some great little hints and tips too. Do you have some stuff on this topic uh, that we yeah, can look we at the, if we go there this week? Four great blogs on our website that people can get on and download for free. Uh, we have um, recipes. Um, all our latest upcoming talks and things like that as well. But um, everything I've talked about today is is in a blog on our um, on our website. And so that's where is that? Where do we place. go to? If people just Google Mullen Health. Mullen Health, you'll find out the website. You can go and have a look at some of these blogs that you've already prepared for us. Yeah, yeah, all about And you'll get an idea of what's coming up as well. Now, to wrap up the four causes of weight gain, what else can you tell us? Well, there? the last two um, we'll do together. So last, the second last one is chronic inflammation. And... You sort of think, well, how's inflammation got anything to do with difficulty losing weight? And inflammation is actually part of the healthy body's, but healthy our immune system's response to to healing. We need to be able to produce an inflammatory response. So if you sprain your ankle, your immune system and cells in the area will release chemicals to cause the tissue to swell up and immobilize the joint. So you want that, and then how you know you're getting better is the inflammation settles down and goes away. Mm-hmm. Same if you get a cold or a flu. You want your body to mount an inflammatory response to fight the virus, but then you want it to turn off once you've become well. What we want to avoid is chronic inflammation where there's low-grade inflammation going on for a long, long period of time, um, and it can cause all sorts of problems. So causes of chronic inflammation can be toxins. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone's smoking, for instance, that's a constant course of inflammation. Their immune system's constantly having to deal with those toxins. The immune system's always turned on. Um, processed foods, you know, additives and preservatives. Yeah. And there's so much of that nowadays. Yeah, that we come in contact with. Yeah. Food allergies and food intolerances. If someone's eating 
gluten or dairy and they've got a casein or a gluten intolerance. That's a chronic inflammation going on all the time. Um, leaky gut we've talked about before. Yes. Low-grade inflammation in the gut wall. Liver stress from too much coffee, alcohol. Um, chronic infections like root canals. So these are all causes. Um, sleep deprivation is probably the biggest. So you know what? One of the, the biggest things I've come across recently, two things. The, for people that really have chronic trouble or a lot of trouble losing weight, often they have chronic sleep problems. Mm-hmm. You can't burn fat if you don't sleep, mm-hmm. if you don't get in those six deep cycles. Yeah. So insomnia is a major thing. Um, and sedentary lifestyle. You're not moving. Sitting yeah. is the new smoking, yeah. they say. Like yeah. the, you know, sitting is is actually inflammatory. Not moving around and that, yeah. 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 Um, which is why you and I are both standing, yeah. jogging while we're actually doing this. Well, not really. <laughs> There's a camera behind you now. <laughs> um, and the final area is, and again, if if there is chronic inflammation, the thing is, you want to find out what the causes, what mm. what what's underlying. The final area: nutritional deficiencies. Um, you know, and everyone says, well, why do you need to take supplements if you eat a healthy diet? Um, basically, because everyone's version of healthy is not always what their body needs. But the following, you know, the, the, the three major nutrient deficiencies that I find, and this is a really interesting area as well, a healthy gut flora. Yes. They've found that the gut flora, the good bacteria, or the bacteria in the large bowel of people that have chronic obesity is totally different to the bacteria found in slim people. Mm-hmm. And what they're suspecting is that the bacteria in chronically obese people will actually increase their food cravings. Mm. So our gut bacteria is taking over and telling us what it, they want to eat because they thrive on, as you can imagine, high mm. carb, you know, all the wrong types of things. So isn't that interesting? Yeah. So your gut flora. And they did this study where they had um, obese mice and slim mice and they took the gut flora, they did a a fecal transplant, they took the, the poo from the thin mice and fed it to the fat mice, and the fat mice lost weight. Oh, there you go. So that could be a new business venture yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're a mouse. And the last two supplements, fish oil, helps to reduce inflammation, helps to reduce insulin resistance, helps with everything, and magnesium helps with lowering blood sugar and insulin resistance as well. So if someone's you know chronically deficient, then that can be a factor as well. Now, just quickly, you touched on, and I know we have part, spoken about it in the past, which is leaky gut. What about if you have leaky gut but you're not aware of it? What are some of the symptoms that you may need to go to the doctor? Most, or naturopath, most of the symptoms that would associate with um, leaky gut are what people would consider to be IBS. Okay. And actually, okay. later on this year, I think we're going to do a big talk on gut health. So that'll be something to look out for. Well, you've set us up for a big year of things to be looking forward to, haven't you? (laughs) And it's only February. Yeah, I know. That's good. And it's going quick, but if you think about it, how quick has January gone? Yeah, it's been a bit crazy, hasn't it? We've got to try and slow it down a bit, but you've got some great topics for us to talk about, and we'll look forward to that every Tuesday. Plus, it'll be great to get some feedback from some of these meetings that you have. So that's something we look forward to doing too. Yeah, absolutely. And what would be great too is if um, anyone out there has got um, ideas or suggestions, we're always looking for new topics that... You know, we're interesting. And, um, yeah, if anyone's got any ideas or suggestions, they can always call in or send an email as well. And don't forget to, to Google Mullen Health, and you can go and read some of the blogs and some of the other great information that you have there at the website. Yep, and check out check out the dates for that um, next weight loss talk, which is Tuesday the 16th. Thank you for today. You'll be back with me next Tuesday. My pleasure. Lovely to see you too.